Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. So glad you're here with us. We have Dr. Mark Mayfield in the studio with us today. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, a lot of what we talk about sometimes is uh, doctrinal or theological, uh, but today we really want to delve into some hard issues. I think that's going to really be a blessing for many of us. Sometimes if we just get locked up in our head, we really miss the Holy Spirit's work that he wants to do deep in our life. And so really thrilled today to have uh, Dr. Mark. Thanks for being with us yeah, today. Glad thanks, Gary. This is, uh, this is fun. Um, and yeah, uh, we, uh, we just met last week, mm-hmm. uh, but you gave me your book and I've been uh, digging into it. It's, it's really good. You just wrote this like... Came out two, three months ago. Three months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So labor of love over the last couple of years. Yeah. So. It took you a couple of years to write it? Yeah, well... It took me like, they gave me six months to write it. And oh, then, okay. you know, publishing, it takes them nine months to, yeah. <laughs> to get it out. Have so. you written other books as well? Or? I've written, uh, I did a PDF uh, book okay. for Focus on the Family on okay. self-injury and uh, suicide for parents helping hey. their teenagers. And then I've got another one that's due in about five weeks. Wow. You're so. dealing with some tough issues. Do you find it, uh, when you're writing, do you find it emotionally taxing? Oh gosh, yes. This the current one I'm writing is is the working title is Finding the Beauty in Pain and it's a wow. it's a offshoot of of this book and okay. it's kicking my rear end right now. <laughs> so, uh, wow. you know, cuz I'm, I'm 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 engaging in all the things yeah. I'm teaching. <laughs> so, in yeah. my own story and my own traumas and my own yeah. my own stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 probably I think that makes for the best writing. You're not detached from your subject matter. You're you're, you're definitely yeah. pouring your heart out into it. Yeah, and I got that from, from reading this. I'm about 110 pages into it. Nice. I didn't get a chance to finish it, but it's called The Path Out of Loneliness. Uh, hi, I already highly recommend it. Um, you know, it was just, uh, I like to be honest about books. So uh, my first chapter or two, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be one of those books all full of statistics and <laughs> right. sort of a three yeah. steps and how-tos. And so I thought, well, it's probably going to be really good, but, you know, it's it's probably going to be at that level. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, The Personal Cost of Loneliness, I, I said, uh-oh. Uh, you know, then I started to get like convicted and bringing up old hurts. And mm-hmm. and then you started going into some things that were like really deep and personal, even the chapter called Deep Longing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so thank you for writing a book that, that has some, you know, for people that are analytical, it has some data. Yeah. Uh, but it, but then it digs into the heart as well. So you did that intentionally, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, I did. Right? I, I did. Yeah. I mean, you've alluded to it that I've, we've read a bunch of books, right, in our lifetime where we're yeah. like... Okay, I know I need to get through this. <laughs> it's important information, but it's so dry. There's no personal story. Right. And I just, just who I am, like I cannot help but being vulnerable and telling my story. You know, obviously you've got to have boundaries around it and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, and and this is not a two plus two equals four formula. Yeah, and I got one review on Amazon. Somebody was just ticked off at me because I didn't give him the formula of how to get out of loneliness. I'm like, no, wow. you've got to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> like you've, you've got to put the effort into it. Yeah. Um, I so. just, you even say that in your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think after the, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the deep longing chapter, chapter six, mm-hmm. but I think maybe that in that chapter or maybe the seventh chapter, you actually say that like, Hey, we're going to go on a journey now and I can't help you. I can't just tell you what to do. I can, I could fix your, sure. your presenting problem. Right. Uh, but if you really want to change deeply, you have to do some work. I, that was, yeah. I like that you said that. Cause well, in the last 10, 15 years of doing this, I can't tell me people have plopped themselves on my couch and go, okay, doc, fix me. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd love to walk with you on this journey and help you untangle, as I say, the Christmas lights of your mind, you know, and, and, yeah. and figure it out. But you yeah. got to do some work. Yeah. You know, I probably should, I probably should have done this at the beginning of our podcast here, but maybe just t- tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, because sure. what, you know, uh, the listeners may not know, okay, you wrote a book on loneliness, but uh, what's your history and, mm-hmm. you know, your credentials, so to speak. I hate yeah. to say it that way. Yeah, but, yeah. Sure. 
so I'm a suicide survivor. I uh, struggled with depression, anxiety when I was mm. in middle school, bullying, I had some severe abuse by my peers in, in middle wow. school and uh, mm. passively, you know, passively, actively attempted to take my life. Um, the method I chose uh, wouldn't have done anything anyways, but it was the mindset that I was in at that time and ended up getting some good support and some help from a Christian counselor after that. And, you know, and my dad came alongside and we reconciled our relationship and, mm. and made some great progress, but, um, loved working with, with youth. And so I thought, Hey, I'll be a youth pastor, you know, went to Colorado Christian university, got my youth ministry and biblical studies degree and mm -hmm. did that for about five years, youth and family ministry. And I had a young man die by suicide and another one oh, that no. uh, attempted through an overdose and in a small <laughs> community where I was at, they all looked to me and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you or how to help. And so at that time, my wife and I just prayed through and I was called back to uh, seminary and got my master's in clinical mental health from Denver Seminary and mm. then kept on going, got my PhD in, in uh, clinical supervision and counselor education um, and just have been working with a variety of populations, did mm. gang intervention in juvenile, uh, court order juvenile justice in Denver for many years and then came down to Colorado Springs and have been doing uh, community mental health, and then about seven years ago, founded uh, a, a new a new way of conceptualizing mental health, and we founded Mayfield Counseling Centers, and have been a five hundred one c three nonprofit for the last five and a half years in the attempt to make mental health a community issue, not an individual issue, mm. um, and so trying to find ways to care for the least of these wow. in a way that if they can't get, because right now if you don't have insurance or you can't pay that $150 out of pocket, you're basically relegated to community mental health yeah. where you become a number, not a name. And we didn't want that to happen. And so we've tr tried over the last couple of years to develop uh, different avenues. So we take Medicaid and different insurances. Okay, and then yeah. uh, we have uh, been con continuing to develop what we call our client assistance fund that if somebody comes in and says, I can't afford this mm. and I don't have insurance. We go, okay, can you do a 20 to $30 copay? And then we'll yeah. cover the rest. Wow. And, uh, That's rare. That's uh, so, good for you guys. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm it's glad you're trying. Do you have, <laughs> have you ever thought about, or do you have like supporters that enable you guys to do that? Like, like, you know, Christian families, maybe that yeah. helped that, that could you know, push a little donate button. Sure. Something? Yeah, we do on our website. Okay. Um, we have some of our, our, our biggest supporters have been individuals that have experienced the depths of mental mm -hmm. health struggles in their family, they get it. Yeah. And they've been, you know, great. Uh, I, I think we, we still are at a place, we're getting better, but we're still at a place as the church and just as a society um, that we don't know how to, and we're kind of afraid to talk about it still. And mm. so it's been a, it's been a educational challenge for me to get people to donate because they keep on saying, well, why? It's not my problem. Like, mm. Well, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. you know, when we t look at the Beatitudes, yeah. you know, poor in spirit, uh, we're talking about, this. Look at Isaiah 61 and, mm -hmm. and how Christ came to really bind up the brokenhearted and, yeah. and heal the captives. You know, I see that. I mean, there's different ways we can translate that scripture, yeah. but I see that through the lens of mental and emotional and spiritual health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those, those, the Beatitudes, Isaiah 61 <clears throat> are, um, you know, in the um, happy peppy, everything's fine kind of church life that we're sure sometimes feel like we're supposed to be living, even if we not, might not really be experiencing it in the depths of our heart. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Those passages are sort of like, oh, good, I get to, you know, uh, be comforted or I get to be, uh, find the peace. Uh, right. But but sometimes we skirt over the issue of, well, it's those who mourn mm -hmm. 
yeah. first, they're going to be comforted. Right. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of fundamental Christian upbringing is like, don't mourn, don't grieve, mm-hmm. don't face the, the inner demons, just just uh, confess them away or right. memorize a verse out of it. Pray harder. Pray harder, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, find an accountability group. Those mm-hmm. are, and those are, you know, those are all great things. Well, yeah, everything yeah. that we said is, is fantastic. Yeah, like we're talking about like, oh, that terrible thing. They're praying, yeah, they're reading right. the Bible. Oh, Horrible. That's awful. <laughs> you know, we don't mean that at all. Please understand that. But, you know, uh, uh, if you're only doing it at a sur- surface level, and not sure. really dealing with this. If, if you don't mourn, you're not going to get comforted. That's what it seems to say to me. So you're actually dealing with a lot of people, and your book speaks to that issue, that, particularly about uh, loneliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why did you choose loneliness instead of like depression or fear or anger? What, I wanted a book that wasn't going to scare people away. Oh well, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, the publisher that uh, approached me and asked me if I would consider writing a book on suicide, and I said no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said I think it's an important topic, but nobody's yeah. going to pick up the book. Right. And I said, I my desire has always been how do I translate mental health concepts for every everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I think we talked about this when we first met. Is I just feel like um, the field that I'm in has a tendency to kind of be like, hey, we got the knowledge, come to us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. like I want to be able to equip people with the knowledge that I've been given from my education and my experience to go, you know, let's equip. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, we can all relate to loneliness to some degree, whether it be pervasive loneliness or bouts of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like, you know, that book would be a a better entry point for people that are going, how do I how do I make it through? And obviously, I mean, I don't pull any punches, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so I, I hit hit it hard. But it's it's the idea of like, I don't want to go, well, let's talk about depression. Like, no, that's a, still a pretty touchy subject, yeah. you know, or a scary subject for many. It is, yeah. But do you, you really, <clears throat> you know, the title is loneliness, and you and you you do hit that head on. But really, to some degree, am, am I, would I be off by asking you this? Would I be off base saying like you could almost put a couple other words in there? Mm-hmm. The path out of mm-hmm. suppression, thoughts, suicidal depression, thoughts, yeah. anxiety. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, because it seems like mm-hmm. you know, the the process you're talking about. Uh, you know, which is a biblical process mm-hmm. and it's a, a spirit-filled cross process of, of Christ's work in our life. Right. Uh, you know, it, there's a path out of all these things and you've chosen loneliness, which is an important one. But I like the fact that it could... Oh, know, yeah. It, it, if, if somebody's listened to us today and say, like, well, I'm not lonely, but I'm depressed, uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm angry or fearful. You and, can and even say the up. path out of tribalism. I mean, I, you know, because mm. I talk about, you know, this kind yeah. of the tribalistic nature of our culture right now of wow. us versus them, me versus me. And I think yeah. you could, you know, there's a lot you could intersperse yeah. there for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, as I was reading through it, <clears throat> I really got, uh, I, I got captured in, in chapter six there the, mm-hmm. the, about it, about the, uh, the, the attachments and mm-hmm. stuff, because I think that's something that, it's, it's probably new to a lot of us. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 uh, you know, I've been a pastor most of my life. And as I read the chapter, it was sort of like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I didn't know the language so well. And mm-hmm. I definitely don't know that because you get into uh, waves and sure, things sure. like that. You yeah, know, definitely. Yeah. I, I got to read that part of the, the chapter again, <laughs> uh, just to uh, maybe open up a thesaurus and uh, not thesaurus, uh, the dictionary. Not that it was too deep, but it was just, uh, it was new to me. New information. Which I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but can you take, take a moment to, um, Explain uh, the, the what do you mean by attachment, mm-hmm. um, and then how does that affect whether it be loneliness or some of these other things we're talking about? 
Well, sure. I think one of the things that we, I think we do as a society, and I'm, this is not an accusation, just an observation, is that uh, you know we look at somebody and go, "You should be, you know, this, this, and this based on your socioeconomic status, based on your relationship status, based on all these kind of things." We don't see what's going on behind the scenes, right? right, right. And I talk about that a little bit, but. Attachment is one of those things that we don't really typically understand behind the scenes. Once we understand it, it makes all the difference, right? Right? And we're like, okay, like yeah. I, that that yeah. makes sense. Um, and so, I, I attachment theory was done by John uh, Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth back in the 1940s and 50s, mm. and it was just a, a theory that they had that our secure attachments are based off of our primary caregivers. And so that could be mom and dad, that could be grandma, grandpa, could be aunt and uncle, whoever has been our primary caregiver. But the more research we've done is that the first 24 to 36 hours of life is critical for developing those, what we call attachment imprints. Mm. And so skin on skin contact with mom, skin on skin contact with dad, uh, jump starts what we call the cuddle hormone, which is oxytocin. Yeah. And oxytocin through a, a non-emergency uh, birth, C-sections through just a vaginal birth, oxytocin dumps from the mom to the child as they're going through the birth canal. Mm. Um, and it's that it's that imprinting. We have this same imprinting uh, when we are um, intimate with our spouse. Right. You know, and, and in a relational way, it connects us. It, it deepens the relational connection. And, mm. and the more we understand oxytocin, we begin to realize that it is, they call it the um, uh, the relational connection piece, the attachment hormone, okay. basically. Yeah. Um, but when we have, but we all know we're part of a fallen world, a sinful yeah. world, like, you know, and sin enters in different perspectives, right? And so yeah. um, we don't get those things as often as we think we do. And so the kind of the common thread with a lot of us is disrupted attachment. For me, you know, I was two and a half months premature and mm. uh, was in an incubator for uh, mm. six weeks, eight oh, weeks, okay. wow. no physical contact, yeah. right? I had a great, great family, Christian family growing up, um, but it manifested in anxiety and depression in, in my middle school years and mm. attachment disorders and, you know, uh, separation, anxiety and all that kind of stuff. Well, we can relate it back to I didn't get the imprinting that I needed yeah. as a child. The great thing is that just by the the power of the Holy Spirit, the great thing, the way we were designed is that f- for 99% of the time, we can heal those things. That's good news. Which yeah. is great, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's certain things void of a legit miracle hmm. that we read about in Scripture. Right. There's about 1% that that's not healable because of how severe the trauma was in, in utero or when we call precognitive years, zero to three and we hear stories of reactive attachment disorder or, you know, we hear those, those terrible stories of families adopting kids from mm-hmm. Russia, let's say, yeah. and then the kid tries to kill them in their sleep. There's certain yeah. types of attachment woundings that cannot be healed void of the Holy Spirit okay. stepping in and, yeah. and really rewi- rewiring the brain. Yeah. So so for the other sort of 99% percent that, of that, that mm-hmm. they hear you talking and they say, oh, man, I was premature like you yeah. or, or – um, I, I was a C-section. Sure. You're not necessarily doomed to, uh, no. to attach, uh, uh, attachment disorder. Right. Or even those that were neglected as a yeah, child okay. or, yeah. you know, had abuse as a child. Yeah. Uh, those things can be healed, yeah. you know. And, and the beauty about our brain is that we can create new neural pathways. So in yeah. some ways we can rewire the brain yeah. uh, until the day we die. 
Yeah. And it's done through relationships. Right. Which is, yeah. I love it. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like, you know, I, I always joke that, I think I say this in the book, that um, science is finally catching up with the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and yeah, the more, the more it learns, the more it confirms. Yeah. <clears throat> the um, attachment itself, to, to, uh, like a definition, would I be right to say it's, it's the way you feel connected to somebody that, mm-hmm. that gives you a sense of, of peace, comfort, right. lo- being loved, being accepted. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you, that, that starts even before you're cognitively aware of it. It starts in utero. Yeah, that's, that's you know, and and it's that's why they. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Is that why they say like you know, uh, mothers when they're pregnant, if they're anxious or mm-hmm. angry or going through a divorce or something like that, yeah. that it, it's it affects yeah, the. It does. Yeah. Because uh, the opposite of oxytocin is uh, cortisol, our stress hormone, and that gets fed into uh, the child as well. Yeah. And that probably freaks people out because it's like, oh, yeah. you know, I got to be yeah. no like. Again, we we don't we we when we talk science, we have to make sure that we integrate God and yeah. how God has designed us, and and all this kind of stuff can be healed. Yeah. Um, I think so. The way I conceptualize attachment is think about this: think about a, a, a baby, um, let's say you know four month old baby, and they're in their crib and they're crying. Um, a, a intentional parent will do what? Go and They'll go check. Care. Yeah. Right. And, and it's interesting, just by that checking, they've created a deeper attachment. Mm. Now, it might take, for me, dad, it might take dad, you know, 15 minutes to go, is it a diaper? No, it's not a diaper. Is it this? Is it not this? <laughs> is it that? What, what is it? But it was the intentionality of me going and checking that actually deepened the attachment. It wasn't that I f- had to figure it out right away. Right. But if I let the baby cry, so that basically what happens then is that attachment is deepened. And they have a sense of purpose developed and a sense of identity development, right? Okay. I am right. whether the, you know it's not cognitive yet, but I am cared for. Yeah. I am loved. I am valued. But we see a lot of uh, people that were just left to cry. Wow. Right. And after a while, they they self self soothe, and then they they begin to develop this. I don't matter. I don't. I'm not valuable. Mm. I don't have any. Again, not cognitive right away, but after a while, it becomes that self fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, would that would that uh, speak to the question a lot of young parents have about like their babies? You know, the first few months in the crib, or when mm-hmm. they're you know a year old and they're they're wanting to to get up and crawl mm-hmm. into bed with you. Uh, and there, there's I don't know what's if there's a name for it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, some people say like you know you let your kids cry, mm-hmm. uh, and then but you would probably say that would be the, uh, not a great strategy. Well, I I'm a and this is. Um, Controversial, so I'll just say okay. that out loud. Okay, <laughs> um, but I believe that you can't spoil your kid in the first year. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's that's just, that's just my yeah. own like. Uh, and then as they begin to develop and grow, right? You yeah. you know, I think you have to set boundaries. You know, okay. we yeah. crave boundaries as as human beings. We see yeah. that in scripture all the time, right? right. Yeah. Don't do this. Well, why? And it's well, it's not because. Of it's protecting you, yeah. and so we start, you know, to be able to develop boundaries in our kids, and that creates more attachment and more security. Mm, when I know I've got boundaries around me, oh, yeah. I can't go past this because yeah. I'm going to get hurt. But it, I, I'm going to test it, and then dad or mom step in, like like bedtime. You know, mm-hmm. at one o'clock, one years old, two years old, when they start hit, sitting their toddler bed, it's a process. Yeah. They get out of bed, they come and want to be, yeah. okay, we love you and talk to you. Let me go sing over you and pray over you and, yeah. and then put you back to bed. And you do that enough times, they feel comforted. And as they feel comforted, then they'll stay in bed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so it's it's almost yeah. counterintuitive sometimes. <laughs> I remember when my daughter was just a little, she was probably a little over a year old and 
we go in and like you just said, and I didn't know it was a, a, an effective parenting strategy, but I just did it because mm -hmm. I just didn't want to hear crying anymore. But uh, and I ran out of things to say. Like at first I started, oh, I love you, sweetheart. Hey. You're so precious to me. And that's and then we just count. I went, One, two, <laughs> right. three, four. And she liked it. She's just right. like and she'd fall asleep just yeah. like it was. so it wasn't so much you know that like you said it's just somebody being there that's what attachment is that you're there and uh, but not there sort of like oh, i'm here to take right. care you know so so it's it's so that develops young and then that develops certain um patterns of of, of life so mm -hmm. so out of uh, so if somebody was attached properly it might result a certain thing mm -hmm. if somebody was not it could turn into some. I think you would give, give a couple examples yeah. of some different things that come out of that. So I think we all. I mean, we all can say. Many of us can say, "Hey, I had a secure attachment." But then, as I've grown older, we've had relational disruptions. People have been mean yeah. or not unkind. We've had relational traumas, as I call them, throughout our life. Um, but we come back to that basic, you know. And so there's secure. But I, I would say, like, I'm secure. I have a secure attachment now. Yeah. But my go-to when I'm not healthy is maybe anxious. Okay. So there's an anxious attachment where I try to micromanage and control everything yeah. um, because I'm afraid of, of being left or lost or that kind of stuff. There's avoidant attachment too where it's right. uh, I just don't want to deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of times avoidant attachment can turn into addiction. It can turn into mm. uh, numbing out in certain ways. Yeah. Whether you know, and addiction is such a broad word, but it could be anything from yeah. you know drugs to food to yeah. video, video, video games. games you know, yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's avoidant attachment because yeah. I don't – and a lot of it is I just don't want to deal with the struggle, the pain, mm -hmm. you know. And, and I, I, I'm a firm believer that the only way we grow, and we see that in scripture all the time, is that we have to go through. Yeah. It's not yeah. getting over. It's not, you know, yeah. placating or, or putting a Band-Aid on it. It's like, okay, I've got to wrestle. Look at Job. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, sitting with and wrestling with, you yeah. know. And some of the, the pictures I get about how we heal attachment as adults is, is the example that we see in Job with some of his friends. You know, they still made mistakes <laughs> trying to give advice, but of just sitting with, you know, yeah. and just yeah. being with somebody. And, yeah. and the way God designed us in attachment is that our presence has more healing than our mm, words. That's good. I love that. You don't need that. And then when they started talking, it kind of went south. <laughs> went south. A little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> the, um, so that I also heard one of the types was... Uh, uh, Ambivalent, mm -hmm. an ambivalent attachment. Mm -hmm. Whereas, if your if your early childhood, the, the parents would soothe you sometimes, but then right. other times you get angry at you for doing it. So you're uh, you're living uncertain, and the yeah. avoidance is you kind of just had to deal. You you're just left alone. Deal with it. And yep. so so that's I think that's mine. I think I would say have an avoidance thing, and that's where loneliness. I think there's there's kind of a I don't know if there's a, you know, like if one type would give itself more towards uh, uh, loneliness. Uh, I, I mean, I just, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if you're avoiding right. pain and struggle, then you just want to be alone. And you like, uh, for me, the avoiding type was, was uh, a fantasy world. Mm, yep, um, yep, I, yep. I, I'd go out and play basketball for hours, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't just shoot. I would be like, and I'm Michael Jordan. And I'm, <laughs> you know, I would imagine a whole nother world. And even right. when I was done playing basketball, I'd come home, and I'd be still like, and Michael Jordan's getting in. You probably think I need help. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's <laughs> so, great imagination. So, so it's, uh, you know, so it's like I've built a whole world. And I found even, I don't want to go along because you you have a lot of great things to say, but just just real briefly, um, I found that even in ministry, so so I carried that thing in my childhood, even in ministry, I, I have this fantasy of my church being like this and mm -hmm. this building being like that and mm -hmm. the number of people in the seats like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's and you know, it's and, and it corrupts the, the real, the thing that God really wants to do through you, it's, it's mm -hmm. real similar 
It's like, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm preaching sermons. Sure. Um, I'm counseling people. I'm building small groups. But the reason I'm doing it now is kind of out of this wound a little bit and stuff like that. So these things are not, they're not lighthearted. They're not just sort of like, you know, they're, they're pretty serious. That's why a lot of people come to you in the Mayfield uh, counseling <sighs> services. Well, yeah, I think absolutely. I think you give a great example is, is if we're not taught that emotions are neither good nor bad, they just are indicators. You know, I okay. think how many times have you heard the, the passage, you know, um, that our emotions, uh, we can't trust them. You know, we look at, right. you know, uh, the heart is deceitful above all yeah. else. Okay, let's, we, we probably should give more context to that. Now, if all we did was pay attention to our emotions and, and made decisions based off of that, yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be deceitful. It's going to lead us down there. Yeah. But if we want to get to a place of Christ-likeness and wholeness, we need to go, okay, what is this emotion pointing to? Mm. It's like an indicator light on a car. Okay. It's 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 uh, neutral. It's just pointing to something. Yeah. But we, I think somehow, as especially as the church, we've gone, okay, these are bad emotions. These are good emotions. Right. No, they're neither good nor bad. They right. just are. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we've missed out on so much that we see in the Psalms is this idea of lament, mm-hmm. of sitting with the struggle and yeah. going, this sucks. Yeah. This hurts. This is hard. And what am I learning? Yeah. And and my wife and I have been through probably the, the hardest 24 months of our lives. Mm. And yet we were talking a couple of days ago, just going, and yet we are closer than we've ever been. Hmm. We've, we value our family a lot more than we've ever have. Um, we've reprioritized some things in our lives. Um, I feel like I'm a more well-rounded person, yeah. but I didn't avoid. I sat in tears and I cried out to God and I was ticked off yeah. and, you know, and I, but we, because we sat with these emotions. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think that, yeah. you know, when we have the attachment, when we don't have somebody that's there, that's doing what we're doing face to face, eye to eye, proximity, drinking a nice right. beverage and just going, how you doing? Yeah. What's going on? we don't get to repair some of those wounds mm. like we should. Yeah. And I think that's where the church, I think, has a great opportunity yeah. moving forward of going, no, it's not about programs. Yes, programs are good. It's not about the, the quality of worship, is, but that's good. It's mm-hmm. not about the quality of the sermon. That's good. Yeah. It needs to be about the quality of connection yeah. and relationships. Right. And that enhances everything else. Yeah, as, and so I, th- I think you're spot on, man, that, that the church really has the potential if if it, it becomes aware of this, that you know you let people feel what they're feeling, mm-hmm. and you sit with them, and and then at the right time, right, you know, there's some good godly counsel you could. You could yeah, give. we don't want to let people stay there. Right. Yeah. But we have to give them a little bit more time to process. Versus, yeah. I mean, I think it goes to to show you just how our culture deals with grief. Yeah. Well, you get five days off. Your mom died. I'm sorry. Five right. days. Got to be back to work. Yeah. What? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your mom just died. Like. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing with just this mm-hmm. idea of relationships is if I swoop in on a Sunday morning and go, Gary, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing great. Right. You know, our typical response, oh, that's, that's not, no, wait. Oh, you're not doing great. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. okay. <laughs> like, come, let's go sit down and, and oh, talk wow. about it. Or let's go get yeah. coffee this week or, or the, right. you know. And I think that relational intentionality is, good, is, is what heals. And, and yeah. you know, not to give away everything in the book, but really that's and, and secrets of counseling. Yeah, okay. It's not so much the techniques. It's not mm. the fact that I've got letters behind my name. It's the right. fact that I choose to sit with people and mm. listen and not judge. And 
encourage and help untangle yeah. whatever's brought there. And wow. I, we can all do that. Yeah, yeah. Or we that's, should that's, all do that's that. That's encouraging, yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's what you're you're doing through your book is helping people mm. uh, be able to be empowered to do that. Uh, you, you talk about that in the book. You want to encourage and equip and empower people. Uh, to be to be a helper of others mm-hmm. and stuff, and so. But if you have, if 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 you know, going back to the attachment thing, so, sure. so that that happened at early childhood, mm-hmm. and maybe it even continued. You know, the the parent, uh, maybe it was maybe they didn't. The parents weren't there, uh, or if they were, they were they were very detached themselves, or ambivalent themselves, or what was the one you said that uh, the anxious, anxious, anxious they, were, they, they yeah. were like that. So they were like that. Now that's sort of almost imprinted in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so somebody's listening to us now. They say, like, wow, that's me. I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that, but it really is. And maybe that's why I'm wanting to drink too much or, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, lust is a big part of my life. I, and I keep trying to stop doing that thing, mm-hmm. but but I can't. So some of that weight behind it is causing some of that stuff. So what do you, what, what are some early steps to get you engaged in, okay, I, I want to get uh, – I don't know if it's I, – I had a question I wrote out for you. How much of it is getting healed? Mm-hmm. of the hurts and the brokenness mm-hmm. and how much of it is, I don't want to be hard on people who are hurting, but like is, is part of it repentance as well? Like, um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I was treated this way, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live, I'm right. going to sleep around and I don't right. care what people think, you know, it's, it, 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 can you speak well, to those? Yeah. It's a big so question. Sorry. I always tell people uh, when they come in, I said, I look at counseling and the r- r- rule of thirds and they said, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, a third of people that come see me have heavens opening up miracle moments. Hmm. A third of people have uh, small changes, almost like, you know, you don't see your nephew for six months and the next time you see him, he's, you know, a foot yeah. taller, but right. your sister didn't recognize how tall he's gotten because she's with him all the time. Yeah. We have those significant yeah. but small changes. And a third of people, nothing changes. Hmm. And I always look at my client and go, so what do you think the difference is? Well, it's my, I'm making my mind up to change. I said, yes. Okay. So I think this is so. So in answer to your question, I think it's yes. I think we have to make up our mind that we want to be different. Hmm. We have to make up our mind that there might be some things I need to repent on. Okay. Um, and that we have to make up our mind that I'm going to be the one that's going to be engaging in the change. It's not my pastor, my counselor, my friend that's going to hmm. do the change. It's they're going to partner with me in the change, but it's not their responsibility. And so, um, so I think when it comes to Healing attachment, yes, we need to be healed. Yeah. Uh, I think forgiveness goes is a big piece of that, and having a right understanding of what forgiveness is, okay. right, is a big deal. And we talk through that quite a bit in our in our counseling practices. Is we have to forgive ourselves, we have to forgive those that have wronged us and hurt us. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean that we have to let them back in our lives. It doesn't mean we have to do any of that yeah. kind of stuff. We just have to have that that right understanding. And so, yeah, I think healing is a big piece. But I think healing and then moving moving forward in your identity. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. that you've, you, you've you know, alluded to is we, we something is being provided us in that victim mindset. We have to get out of that victim mindset. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Things were not done to me. Things happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I have a, re- a responsibility of how I react to those. And so it's, I think it's a, it's a big, uh, I think, collaboration mm-hmm. of many different parts. And so when people come to us for counseling, it's just one part. Yeah. It's not the end all be all. all right. It's just one spot, you know. So we try to go. Okay, you know, if you're of faith, do you have somebody that's helping you mm-hmm. with that spiritual side of things? We can do it in counseling, but they have to be the one that drives it. Uh, do you have friends? Do you have family? Mm-hmm. Do you have people in your life? Because if it's just counseling, it's going to fall flat. Yeah. You know, if it's just your family, it's going to fall flat. If it's just, you know, so it's it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's this great collaboration piece yeah. that's amazing. But yeah, you're right. It's 
I think it's a it's a mix of a bunch of different things that we have to to take into consideration. And yeah. and a big one of those is repentance. And I think that's where I think the church gets a bad rap sometimes is that we lead with that. Oh yeah. You know, well right. probably your sin. It like goes back yeah. to the you know when uh, Jesus was walking through the was at the the temple courtyard, yeah. and the the disciples were like, okay, what did this guy do to <laughs> get <Yeah>. blind? <laughs> right. Nothing mm-hmm. except for my glory to be shown right now as I heal him. You know, so I think there's yeah. that as well, if that makes any sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And it, and it actually speaks to the issue we're talking about here today is, you know, the the um, it's not going to answer the why, so to speak, but I think it has something to do with that you can go through all those things in, in, in your childhood development and or a rough marriage or mm-hmm. uh, problems and, and God's hand still be in that, you know, what the enemy intended for. Right. Evil God intended for good. Absolutely, and, it's, 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 and that that word is powerful. It's an intention. Yes, it wasn't sort of like the enemy did this, and God sort of stroked his beard and said, like, oh, "No, how can I counter right. that work?" It was an intentional thing, even before. Mm-hmm. In my in my theology, even before Satan came up with the plan, God already knew he was going to do it. And, right. And and, and, oh, yeah. and had 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 the uh, had, had that sort of be available as part of our story, mm-hmm. you know, the remedy and. Um, this, I feel like this is a little bit off subject here, but uh, this is something I've always wanted to ask somebody like yourself. Um, the <clears throat> two, two people, I, I was with a guy at Thanksgiving, or just before Thanksgiving, and he started, I, I've known him for a couple of years, but I never asked him his story, and he started mm-hmm. telling me a story. Um, his mother and father, when he was a little boy, were like crazy abusive, like throwing plates, punching each other, mm. hospital visits, police cars, the thing like, so that's his whole, and his father did it, just left one day when he was like eight or nine, oh, wow. abandoned yeah. him. And then the mother, you know, the Las Vegas kind of strip type stuff and four or five different men in his life. And, and, and I'm looking at him like, I've known you for like two years. I had no idea. Like mm. you're so, it's probably the right, oh, wrong word to use, but you're so normal. You know, you're so put together. Or, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, how'd you do that? And, he, and he, just, he just said, "I, you know, when I was 18, I met Christ and he changed me and I repented. Mm-hmm. And I and I said, so you never did drugs. You never, like, it's like, uh, then somebody else comes from like a seemingly a nice Christian family and they, mm-hmm. you know, they go off and join a gang or something like that. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, do, can you speak to that at all? Like, is, is there something about that or is it just sort of, we don't know, I don't, it's random. I don't know if it's fully random. I think, you know, I, I use this example that if you and I were going to go stand out on Academy here and saw a car accident and somebody was horrifically killed, yeah. uh, we would both respond differently. Yeah. You, how you're wired, you might've been like, okay, hmm. like, oh man, I'm going to pray for that family and pray for that person. And, uh, that that really was was bad, mm. but you go home and you love your wife and your grandkids and and, and and not really think twice about it. Me, I might go home and have nightmares, and oh, okay. you know Makes I'm sense. you know I'm gonna withdraw and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's it's a lot of just multiplistic factors, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what work have I done up to this point in, in my own life in my own story? To go, okay, I can compartmentalize to that. That was horrible. That wasn't my story. That mm. wasn't me. Um, you know, and um, I've been given the ability to develop resilience. And, you know, so when I fall down, I bounce back in a yeah. way that is, is you know, strong and that kind of stuff. But also, I think a lot of times, you know, our fight, flight, freeze response, how our brain responds to trauma or to things. Mm. One person can turn into PTSD. The other person could be... yeah. You know, and so I don't think it's happenstance. I think it has to do with a lot of our epigenetic wiring okay. and, and how God, yeah. you know, and and um, you know, I think different parts of our stories. 
So I, I, I was a very sensitive kid, yeah. very sensitive, you mm. know, to the point of, you know, part of the way I was parented was, you know, go to your room until you can get yourself together mm. versus, okay, let's unpack that. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Why are you feeling that way? Well, I realize I have something called highly sensitive person where my sensory output is on higher alert than most people. Yeah. So I feel things differently. Okay. It doesn't mean that I'm bad or yeah. wrong where you might not have that. Yeah. And so... So makes, if that makes sense, it makes it's, great sense. You know, yeah, but that, that's, so, that's really. I, I I didn't expect you to answer that so clearly. That yeah. was really good. Uh, the and I, my mind goes towards uh, nature versus nurture. You know, it's yep. like so. So you can nurture somebody a certain way or not nurture them, yep. but their nature has some th input into that. They're they're going to be. And my mind also goes towards uh, one is not necessarily something that is. Uh, so, that, so the one who sees the accident and has nightmares and stuff like that, that might not be the weak one. That might be the one who's, like you said, more sensitive. Or mm -hmm. it might actually be the one who God could say, like, you need to come to me. Like, right. uh, our weakness makes us oftentimes more dependent on God. Absolutely. Uh, but I think our uh, our culture in that scenario you gave would be say, oh, this is a strong-minded one or this is the one who's got it together and, may, right. and maybe not. So, so in this illustration I gave you earlier about the guy mm -hmm. I was talking to a couple of days ago, he may not actually, he may just be hiding things maybe, you know, or maybe, like, yeah, or, know. Yeah. you know, maybe, or it could be just a great testimony of what the Lord did. That's true. Right. You, yeah. I mean, you hear these stories too of people like I found God and I, I stopped meth yeah. and I haven't done meth since. And it's yeah. been 50 years. Right. Well, in my clinical brain, that's nearly impossible except for the Lord because yeah. of how the addictive meth is. Yeah. But that's their story, and that's fantastic. Where yeah. there's another person that goes, you know, I've been sober for 40 years, but it has been a struggle every single day. Yeah. And I'm working with young men and young women that are, you know, walking alongside, mm -hmm. and, and so I get their story. Yeah. Where the guy that was just miraculously healed maybe doesn't isn't able to help in that way, but wow. God did it for you know. So I think that's why I love the value of story. Yeah. And and the beauty of story, um, but we know that a lot of how we respond to these things, and if we're intentional about responding, going back to the attachment piece, mm -hmm. we actually have the ability to change how our kids are nurtured, how the people in our lives are nurtured. Mm. And we can actually, what we call epigenetics. So we can't change the gene, but we can change how the gene is expressed mm. through epi, which means on top of. Okay. And so when, if, I'm not, if I've not been nurtured, so I have an avoidant attachment or, mm -hmm. a, you know, an anxious attachment or ambivalent attachment. I've not been nurtured in a certain way. But as an adult, I realize that. Yeah. I go get some support, whether it be counseling, pastoral support, whatever that looks like. I begin to change. I begin to heal that. I begin to repent of maybe how I've responded in that. Mm. I can actually change how my kids' yeah. epigenetics are, are going to be affected and how they eventually nurture their kids. Mm. So I don't pass. It's the generational sin piece, right? Yeah. I don't pass down that. Mm. And we find that kids that are nurtured actually have greater what we call cortisol receptors. And cortisol is just the stress hormone. The more receptors we have, the more that our stress hormones are able to be uh, plugged into that receptor. Not, and, not overload? And not overloaded. Okay. Yeah. And the more receptors we've got. If we're not nurtured, we don't have enough receptors. And now we're going to nurture the same way that our parents were nurturing. Yeah. And so we have, but the beauty is we have the ability, the ability to change that change the way that. God's designed us. Yeah. Which yeah. is so cool. That's very encouraging. Yeah. Because it's, it's sad, you know, <clears throat> so, you know, it seems like if you're doing it right, each generation sort of moves the ball down the court yeah. a little bit further. Like, you know, Absolutely. it's like, I, I know there's a certain way my dad um, was raised. 
you know, really tough, mm -hmm. um, very little attachment at all. Yep. He really worked hard, but I could tell it was, I could tell it was work for him. It was sure. like, it's, it wasn't a natural nurturer, but, right. but I love the fact that he would make an effort. Like, you know, it's like an example would be like, I want to attach my son and he's six years old. I'm going to go out and throw the ball with him. Yeah. But then he'd be like looking at his clock too. I, I, you could tell, you know, yeah. and then for me, it's okay. I want to take it a step further, but even, you know, there's a lot of regret in our life. Sometimes there shouldn't be, but you know, sure. I, I look back and say, man, I wish I could, I wish I could have more, you know, it's like to, to, to really step out of that totally. But, you know, it's just like, I guess it's a long, mm -hmm. long process, but I like that you're talking about the, the genetics that, that changed too. I never had heard that. Mm -hmm. That's so the, like part of this is not just events that happen in your life. Part of it is genetic. It, part of it is, is yeah, how our genes are expressed. And a lot of it has to do with kind of the receptors and, and okay. how our brain is wired and that kind of stuff. But the beautiful, the beautiful piece is, and I love this piece of hope, mm. no matter where you are in your yeah. journey with your spouse, with your kids, with, with yeah. anybody, you're, if you're 80 years old and you have kids that are 60, mm -hmm. you can still repair these things yeah. in, in how, in you know, the intentionality around the relationship. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah, that's so good, you know? man. Uh, in the last few minutes we had together, um, can we talk a little bit about th that word hope? Mm -hmm. um, some people are listening to us today go like, yeah, I, I feel some of this stuff you're talking about. I feel lonely. I feel depressed. Um, what, what would be some ways to help them feel hopeful? Well, I think first of all is that we can, we can, we have the ability to move the dial in the, okay. in the right direction, right? Yeah. Personally, yeah. but when we add the Holy Spirit to that, yeah. it, it takes it even farther. You know, right. I mean, there's only a, so far we can go without the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? Uh, but I think that the, the hope piece is if you set your mind to it and you've got good supports and that you're intentional, whether or not you feel God, right? I think that's the big thing is that most of my life and my journey with the Lord, I've not felt him. Mm. <laughs> it's been an intentional journey to trust him. Yeah, okay. And then I have those moments of really the Holy Spirit showing up in great ways. And, you know, I hold on to those. I journal those. I write those. Mm. But I think a lot of times, you know, we get into the mindset that we need to feel God for God to be present. And that's not true. Mm. But I think making up your mind that, that something needs to be different. And the cool thing is when you make up your mind, something switches actually hmm. in your brain. Uh, and you begin to develop those new neural pathways. Neural pathways, just for anybody that's listening, is kind of like a, a dirt road where... You know, you've driven it numerous times and it gets ruts in the dirt yeah. road. Uh, a neural pathway is kind of that rut and, and it could be good or bad. Yeah. Positive, negative, you know, or, or just, but we can change that mm. and it takes some time. What well, science shows that it's three cycles of 30 days okay. to change your neural pathway. Mm. And somebody goes, why don't you say 90 days? I'm like, 90 days seems a little bit overwhelming. Oh, okay. Three, so yeah, like so if you think about three cycles of 30 days, you know, and you're going, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to spend some intentional time with the Lord at least five days a week. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have to work at it. Mm -hmm. and, and if you work at it for the first month, it's going to be a little bit easier the second yeah. month. And if you work at it the second month, it'll be a little bit easier the third. And then after the third month, if you've developed that new neural pathway, it's second nature now. Mm. It's just part of who you are. Same thing about not eating sugar or not doing or whatever. So the same thing with mental health. Now, I do believe and this is somewhat unpopular at times, I do believe that medication is necessary mm -hmm. for certain things for certain times. Yeah. Not all the time. It's not a fix-all. Right. But if somebody is really struggling with depression yeah. and they can't get out of bed, well, they might need to go yeah. meet with a psychiatrist and right. go, okay, I need something to help me 
get to a place where then I can do the work. Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's medication point. and therapy. Yeah. Um, I have people, people probably listening and going, well, I'm just going to, I don't know about therapy still. You know, oh, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to church. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But science shows or research shows that if we have our pastor, our counselor and medication, hmm. we're three times more likely to get better than if we just had one. Well, then why not? Why yeah. not? Right. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you're not, um, <clears throat> I think the fear people have oftentimes is if I go this route, I'm denying that route. So right. I'm denying the Holy Spirit's power in my life because I'm taking medicine or I'm going to a counselor. That means I don't really believe the Bible's true because right. I confessed it and I, yep. I quoted it and I memorized it. So, but I, that's, it's, it's almost like, you know, you go to the gym, you don't just do, you know, uh, curls, you know, right. just like you, 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 you kind of want to be a fully orbed, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to do legs really a whole lot. <laughs> right, yeah. But, yeah. But other than that, you know, you, you want, you kind of want to be, that you know, so I think that's what you're. That's your. That's a great illustration of that. So that. Well, I don't. Um, and that's why I talk about mind, body, spirit. I don't believe. I think our, our Western culture, uh, both culture and church, we've siloed those three. Yeah. Mind, body, spirit. Go to church for your spirit. Go to the doctor for your body. And go to the counselor mm. for your mind. No. Mm. They're they're all integrated. That's really good. What do you see uh, in in the next season of your life? Uh, uh, you kind of stay in the course, or some, anything new coming along, or what, what do you feel like about the, or or for or for, well, yeah, sorry. You know, no, no, I think mm-hmm. a, I I have a, such a huge heart for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been hurt by the church, as many of us have, but I really feel like the church is the the main mode for transformation and reconciliation, mm-hmm. and I th- I still believe that, yeah. even though I've been hurt. <clears throat> wow. You know, and I so I really go, okay, how can I come alongside the church and equip them? to be better mental health triage units, yeah. right? Uh, not saying you have to be a counselor, but right. knowing what you can do and how you can help and how do you help in a way that is going to be um, beneficial. And then when do you need to partner with other people? And so mm-hmm. I'm seeing this next stage of life just going, okay, how can we take what I've learned by founding Mayfield Counseling Centers and how do I take that into uh, whoever will listen, Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. help consult and help direct and help yeah. guide and help play a foundation for it's, 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 I think it's a brilliant next step you know I, I don't know you real well but I, I, I just feel like you're the type of person that could take what you've done here at the Mayfield Clinic Mayfield uh, Counseling Center count, mm-hmm. Mayfield Counseling Center and um, help churches uh, really understand this you know as, as you know the World Challenges the Ministry I'm president of now but mm-hmm. throughout that time I've been a pastor as well mm-hmm. kind of doing wearing two hats right and, and, you know, as a pastor, it's oftentimes seen as you're saying, like, you know, this is this is what we do as a church and this is what the counselors do. Mm-hmm. And those two worlds don't often mix, uh, you know, and sometimes there's actually even some suspicion like the, the church doesn't understand, you know, why are they going over there and paying right. people money to get help? We're supposed to help them. And then sometimes, you know, I, I think rightfully so, the counselor, or the therapist feels like the church doesn't really get it or they're mm-hmm. not really... They're not really caring because it seems like the – I read something years ago. I can't remember all these different things, but it, it labeled sort of a, a, a way of a church, like a church as a theater, mm-hmm. uh, the, the church as a social club. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 you know, and, it's, and it was like almost everything in the American church was there except the thing that really mm-hmm. – you know, a theater is not going to help people and a social club is not going to help people. And, but but it's really these relationships mm-hmm. that that you know the, the deep connections that we can have with one another. Ultimately, I think it comes down to what God said. You know, it's like uh, you know the greatest of commandments: love love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And, yep. 
I think I think you could be a great help in marrying the church to to the to the skills that mm-hmm. that come maybe that a pastor may not have the mm-hmm. the equipment to to, to do fully. Mm-hmm. And so I really pray, pray that God will use you to touch a lot of churches here in our region, but also around the around the country as yeah. well. well. I appreciate that and. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, book again is called The Path Out of Loneliness, and uh, Dr. Mark Mayfield, and uh, they can contact you through your website. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my personal website is drmayfield.com. Drmayfield.com, okay, um, You good. can pick that up on Nav Press, Tyndale, okay. Amazon. All right, um, good. And yeah. we'll, if I could, uh, we'll buy, we'd love to buy some copies from you. Okay. So if you want to uh, get one at World Challenge, you can too. Uh, maybe we'll buy them from you, and if I see you again real soon, I'll get you to sign them. Yeah, that can sounds we, great. Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get 20 or 30 uh, signed uh, books from, from Dr. Mark, and it'll be a, be a great help to people. Please please read this book. Thanks for your time today, yeah, man. I really I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Normally, you. we split into two 30-minute sec, sec, sections, but uh, I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I'm just, this is good. This, I love is, it. this was so good, man. I'm, and I'm, I'm just honored that you would take the time to be with us today. Thank yeah, you. Appreciate it. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.